manifest itself in truth and in goodness. Local. The challenges that we're facing in our generation, we just need the gospel. I mean, every every culture, every generation just needs to know how the gospel applies. Engaging. We don't bring any life at all to the church. The church is, is the life. It gives us the life. Live. The reality is, He is all things beautiful, capital B. And so anything that is authentically beautiful draws us, even if we don't realize it, to God. Good morning, listeners, and welcome to Real Presence Live. We are here at Corpus Christi Church in Bismarck, North Dakota this morning. I'm Karen Selensky, along with Monsignor Patrick Schumacher, and we are very grateful for Monsignor Schumacher today to fill in for Father Holcalter, who became ill. And so, Monsignor, thank you. Thank, thank you, you, Karen. Good morning. Yes, I'm off the bench, and you know, great quarterbacks come off the bench every now and then. So, <laughs> good morning to you, and good morning to all of our listeners. I want to thank you for listening and supporting Real Presence Radio wherever you are in the Upper Midwest. I'm, I hope you're having a good uh, start to your day. Uh, I, I was one of the original hosts back in the day, and uh, it's good to uh, to be back on the air with you from time to time. Today is Thursday of the second week of Advent. As we uh, things are going to happen quickly here, as we uh, move into the fourth, uh, the third and fourth Sundays of Advent, and then Christmas. Uh, today is also the feast day of St. John of the Cross, who always told us not to worry, to cast off concern about things of this world, and to pray for peace in your heart. So I pray that for you as we begin our day. If you're having a tough start to it, I hope it gets better. And uh, join us in prayer as we begin our day. O God, who gave the priest St. John an outstanding dedication to perfect self-denial and love of the cross, Grant that by imitating him closely at all times, we may come to contemplate eternally your glory. And we ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Good morning again to all of you. This is Real Presence Live, and my name is Monsignor Schumacher. I'm the pastor here of Corpus Christi in Bismarck. I got the call last night to uh, to help out, so I, I got up at uh, 5 to uh, start our, our preparation. And, and my first point in preparation, again, was to review uh, the pastoral letter of my bishop. My first guest is Bishop David Kagan of the Diocese of Bismarck, and I believe he's on the line. Bishop Kagan, good morning to you. We'll work to get him on the line. I haven't heard him. He will uh, be with us to discuss this letter. He, he uh, presented the pastoral letter entitled, It Is the Lord, uh, which came out on June 29th, 2023. We're going to get him on the line here to, to talk about some of the pastoral letters he's written. As, as, uh, as my bishop, he's written more pastoral letters than, than most of my bishops. And he has um, uh, had a very timely topic. Uh, with the sacraments and with the Eucharist in this uh, year of uh, of the revival. I believe he's back with us. Bishop Kagan, good morning. Good morning, Monsignor. I was really looking forward to talking with Father Holcalder, but <laughs> well, I guess you'll do. Well, uh, the, we, we had supper together on Monday, Bishop. I, I, I sat, uh, I had, you were on my left, and Father Holcalter yeah. was on my right. And, uh, oh, and uh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm the one that's over-immunized, so... <laughs> 
I'm I'm happy to be with you, and uh, we'll we'll uh, we'll make this work as well as we can. Bishop Kagan, uh, you have um, written a, a pastoral letter uh, of June 29, twenty three entitled right. it is the lord and and as we were coming on uh, perhaps before you were reconnected i spoke about how you uh, you're my third bishop as a priest and you've written more pastoral letters than uh, i i think all of them together um as we as we begin here uh, first just introduce yourself a bit for our new listeners in the upper midwest and uh, t- tell us about the purpose of writing a pastoral letter all right. Well, I, I just celebrated my 12th uh, anniversary as the Bishop of Bismarck, and uh, this particular pastoral letter is the sixth uh, one that I've written since becoming bishop, and they are, they're on various topics. Uh, usually, uh, a pastoral letter uh, is written to address uh, a specific issue, whether it's uh, it's a theological, a moral, or a social issue, all of which certainly affect the Catholic Church and to which the Catholic Church uh, uh, always uh, speaks to in in that definitive way uh, to help the Catholic faithful and others who read it uh, understand uh, what. The, the particular issue is in, in its various aspects, and especially how uh, it affects one's daily uh, life of faith. And uh, this, this one, I, I wanted to do it uh, during this second year of our Eucharistic revival across the United States, because this is a, the parish phase of the revival uh, last year 2022 was um, the the diocesan phase and um, uh, I I included not just uh, something specific on the most only Eucharist but I I thought uh, I would uh, kind of it's a reflection of my Jesuit training uh, I did a section first on all seven sacraments, and it's kind of a review for Catholics. It's not that Catholics haven't heard this before, but uh, sometimes it's good to just go back to the basics and be reminded uh, of what we all learned perhaps a long time ago as young people about what a sacrament is, what grace is, what are the seven sacraments, uh, you know, that sort of it's all basic information that really Catholics uh, need to know and need to remember uh, as they explain uh, the Catholic faith to others, whether it's uh, non-Catholics or perhaps uh, others who've never been baptized at all. But uh, uh, so proceeding from there, then I, I have a section on the Most Holy Eucharist I decided to speak a, a bit about the sacrament of penance and reconciliation because uh, these, the two sacraments of the Holy Eucharist and the sacrament of penance are the two sacraments most Catholics receive uh, often, or at least they should receive them often. And one, of course, is uh, intimately connected to the other, uh, and the necessity of 
confession uh, uh, and the confession of all uh, known uh, grievous or mortal sins before one continues to receive Holy Communion. So there is a, a connection there. Uh, and then the, the fourth part I, I call practical considerations. And those I've, I, I've drawn on my own experience as a priest uh, of, of over 48 years now and as a bishop uh, now uh, 12 years. And it, it's things that uh, I have observed and uh, I've, uh, in conversations with priests over the years, uh, they too uh, have have made these observations, and so it's good for Catholic people uh, to read these things. It's not that people aren't being faithful and all that, but sometimes we get in a rut and we're doing things not exactly the way the Church asks us to do them. Whether it's uh, going to Holy Communion, preparing ourselves to go to Holy Communion mass attendance and how we conduct ourselves during mass and certainly how to prepare ourselves and then go to confession and make a good confession uh, and again it's it's not meant that you know people are intentionally disobeying the church but it's just we get into habits and sometimes uh, they're hard to get out of and it's it's certain things that the church doesn't uh, ask us to do and and we get into those habits so it's once in a while it's good to be reminded of that and um, uh, so that was really uh, the motivation for it uh, and um, uh, while there's as I say in the pastoral letter there is you know certainly much more that can be said about the Most Holy Eucharist, about the Sacrament of Penance, about all of the sacraments. Uh, it wasn't my intention to go into a long uh, theological discourse uh, about all of this, but to keep it brief, keep it to the point, as I said, uh, let's just go and look again at the basics of what uh, we as Catholics believe and do uh, with regard uh, to these sacraments, especially the sacrament of the Holy Eucharist. Bishop Kagan is my guest, and this is Real Presence Live. Uh, thank you for listening. My name is Monsignor Schumacher from Corpus Christi in, in, in Bismarck. I'm visiting with Bishop Kagan as my first guest today. He, he, uh, he has written his sixth um, a pastoral letter as Bishop of Bismarck. Uh, it came out on June 29th, 2023, and it, it it's from his experiences as 48 years as a priest and 12 years as a bishop. Uh, uh, bishop Kagan, uh, I, I thought that the uh, practical considerations were, uh, were, were very, very good. Uh, but before that, if I can go back um, and talk about um, uh, uh, what you sent to the priests of Bismarck as to how our sign of peace will come back on the right. vigil of Christmas moving forward. You, you've indicated to us that it, it is certainly a part of the Mass. It's not accidental to it. Um, and um, this suspension cannot be, be permanent, and so it's coming back. Uh, but you have reminded us, really, of, of the, the manner in which the sign of peace should be exchanged. You've asked your priest to, to demonstrate this from the amble, uh, which I have, and it's online. Um, so um, c can you explain a little bit 
um, of uh, the the uh, considerations you you directed us to to consider for for the sign of peace and and why well uh, as I mentioned in the pastoral letter uh, speaking about the sign of peace uh, I was ordained a priest in 1975 kind of at the height of the liturgical silliness and experimentations that were going on and uh, you know I'm not singling out any individual priest but uh, as I say there uh, in my life as a priest and now as a bishop, I've never seen it done correctly. And I think that's because uh, back uh, when the sign of peace was, uh, a, you know, and some critics of the Second Vatican Council think the Council Fathers just invented that. That's, that's absolutely false. Uh, this had been a part of the ancient liturgies uh, and kind of fell into disuse uh, about the time, you know, it's not unlike uh, the the last so-called pandemic we had. Uh, I did a little research, historical research, uh, uh, in a very good series, church history series. It's the history of the Catholic Church by Hubert Jadine. And... Uh, it was around the time of the outbreak of the Black uh, Black Plague in Europe in the 1300s. Not only were people, you know, dying all over the place, uh, but the Church, uh, it, it, uh, it kind of stopped on its own accord. And uh, after the plague kind of had been lived through and things were getting back to, it never started up again. So it wasn't, you know, uh, something intentional. But that's what, you know, kind of, it fell into disuetude. And um, the Church has always been quite clear since the time of the Council. Others jumped the gun and did it their own way, which, of course, is always disastrous. Uh, but I, as I told the priests, uh, I, I, the uh, uh, general instruction of the Roman Missal, the third edition, has a specific paragraph, I think it's paragraph 82, just on the sign of peace. And what they say there is almost verbatim what the Council Fathers said in their discussions and how it ended up being reinserted into the liturgy at the place in the liturgy it is. And they said, uh, this is to be exchanged, quoting, in a sober manner. And when you go back and look, uh, their intent was that, you know, at a Mass, you're not leaving the pew, you're not turning around to the people behind you, or you're not tapping people on the shoulder in the pew in front of you. You turn to the people who are on either side of you. And in in a, in a normal way, just say, peace be with you. You know, it, it, they don't say you should be hugging, you should be kissing, slapping people on the back. You know, they don't even say shaking hands. They say it should be done in a sober manner because uh, it, the Council Fathers made it quite clear. Of course, that was ignored early on. Uh, you're at the point of the Mass where the real presence of Jesus Christ in the sacred species is actually exposed on the altar. 
And uh, so the exchange of the sign of peace, maybe they should have used in a reverent manner rather than sober, because people can reinterpret sober, sober any way they want. But uh, the, the whole point is uh, to be reconciled. You were reconciled with God in the penitential rite, and you're reconciled with uh, your neighbor at this point uh, is so that you can be properly disposed to receive our Lord in the Holy Eucharist, which follows very quickly upon that exchange of the sign of peace. And uh, I, as I said in the, uh, the pastoral letter, uh, by my observations, it's become something like the way it had been done. It's like intermission, intermission at some sort of event, you know, uh, people, it, it, you almost have to shout to get their attention that Mass is resuming. In other words, the sign of peace isn't to interrupt the flow of the sacred liturgy. It's a part of it, just like other parts are a part of the sacred liturgy. The, the Mass is an intrinsic uh, whole with its own uh, dignity, and it deserves our attention and our reverence. And so in the exchange of the sign of peace, it's, it's not uh, meant to in any way distract anyone uh, from what we're celebrating uh, at the altar of the Lord. And so uh, I even suggested to priests, I said, why don't you uh, suggest to people exchange the sign of peace the way I exchange the sign of peace with the young people I confirm? You know, in, a, in any rite of confirmation, you know, I sign their foreheads with sacred chrism and say, be sealed uh, with the gift of the Holy Spirit. And they respond, Amen. And I just look them in the face and say, peace be with you. And they respond, and with your spirit. And then they return to their places. That's uh, the way the sign of peace is meant to be exchanged. It's not you know, loud voices slapping somebody on the shoulder, you know, starting, you know, a conversation. Uh, because just as in confirmation, we continue on with the rite itself and then into the, continue with the Mass, so with at Mass itself. Uh, it's, not, it's not a standalone moment uh, at Mass. Bishop, we're going to take a break. Thank you very much. Uh, nor does it have to be necessarily a handshake. But um, no. my producers are calling me to a break here. You're going to be here at Corpus Christi on Tuesday, February 27th. You're going to yeah. uh, present in your pastoral letter how the Eucharist uh, is our call to holiness. We're going to bring that up after the break. You're listening to All Real right. Presence Live. We'll be back in just one moment. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network.
At the University of Mary, we offer an education for the whole of life. Our values-based, flexible, and affordable education will prepare you for success and help you become a leader in your field. Whether you want to start your degree for the first time or continue your education, whether you are a working professional or want to pursue school full-time, join us for an education that will help you make a positive impact in our community. Discover the Mary difference. Umary.edu. That's umary.edu. This is Lavinia Spirito for Catholic with Bible Study. Some say that our age of relativism, the belief that there are no absolute truths, began when the philosophers of the Enlightenment divorced reason from reality. Indeed, David Hume wrote that reason exists only to serve our own agendas. Contrast this with great thinkers like Thomas Aquinas and St. Augustine of Hippo, who each taught that reason is at the service of reality. And because of this, the human reason can reason their way to truth. In John Paul's famous encyclical Fides et Ratio, he writes, Faith and reason are like two wings on which the human spirit rises to the contemplation of truth. Millennia of Christians have held that faith without reason is brainwash, and reason without faith is blind. So today, when you're thinking through an issue, ask yourself, is my reason serving reality, or am I twisting reality to serve myself? Catholic Way Bible Study. Peace. Power. Purpose. Find out more at cwbs.org. Searching for more great Catholic content? Visit our website at realpresenceradio.com. Find Catholic news you can trust, information about events coming up in the local area, and the latest on what's happening at the RPR Network. And don't forget that you can listen to any of our stations around the clock from anywhere in the world. Need prayers for someone or something in your life? You can submit those through our online form for the entire family to pray for. Real Presence Radio, your family of faith and hope. Online at realpresenceradio.com. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. All right, welcome back to Real Presence Radio. And my name is Monsignor Schumacher. I'm visiting with my bishop, the Bishop of the Diocese of Bismarck, Bishop David Kagan. He's written his sixth pastoral letter as our bishop. He's been a bishop for 12 years, a priest for 48 and this pastoral letter entitled, It is the Lord, um, is based on a lot of his experience and is also a very practical part of it at the end. Uh, Bishop, uh, why, why the title, It is the Lord? Well, uh, you'll rec- I, as I explained in the introduction, uh, writing specifically for our Catholic people during the Paris phase of the Eucharistic revival, it seemed kind of a fitting title uh, for uh, what I was going to say because it goes back to that uh, kind of that exclamation that St. John uh, shouted out, obviously, to Peter and the others uh, who were fishing. It was after, of course, the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, and they were fishing, and they had caught nothing, and uh, apparently they didn't exactly recognize Jesus standing on the shore who shouted to them, uh, probably, you know, have you caught anything? Uh, and uh, they said, no, nothing. Uh, and he said, well, if you cast your net over the right side of the boat, uh, you will find something. Well... They did so, and they catch that miraculous draught of, of large fish, 
And it was John, uh, the young John, uh, Apostle John, who shouts to Peter and the others, it is the Lord. Uh, and so they recognize uh, who it is who's, who's calling to them, uh, again, in a miracle of, of that uh, huge catch of fish. And we know how the rest of the story uh, of that event uh, continues. And again, we find it in St. John's Gospel, uh, and he was an eyewitness to all of it. Uh, it's where uh, Jesus uh, asked Peter three times, Do you love me? And uh, um, that very powerful exchange between our Lord and St. Peter that uh, literally confirms Peter uh, in his his faith uh, and um, in a way it's uh, Jesus is is giving him the chance to uh, uh, repent of if you will his his three-time denial of him uh, during his passion but uh, I thought it was a a good way of introducing uh, the pastoral, but it, in, in a way it should be the attitude we all have as uh, we are at Mass, especially as we uh, are attentive uh, to the consecration of the Mass and uh, as we then prepare ourselves uh, to receive our Lord in Holy Communion. It truly is the Lord, body, blood, soul, and divinity. And it is he who's calling us to receive him, but also it's he who is, through us, going to touch the lives and hearts and minds of others uh, as we take him with us from Mass. Bishop, I want to thank you for being our first guest. we got about three minutes left. Uh, I'm visiting with Bishop Kagan about his pastoral letter entitled, It is the Lord. It came out this summer on June 29th. It's his sixth pastoral letter as our bishop of the Diocese of Bismarck. Uh, bishop, as I said before break, you're going to be here at Corpus Christi to uh, address the people on our encounter night um, regarding your pastoral letter and, and right. the Eucharist and our call to holiness. I, in our last three minutes here, could you just remind the people how important attending Mass is, receiving the Eucharist worthily, and, and how this is our, our, our way to, to holiness in, in a very primary way? Well, uh, you said it probably better than I can, but going back again to what the Fathers of the Council said uh, in that first document they published on the Sacred Liturgy, they speak of the Holy Eucharist, and I'm sure people have heard it often enough, but it's the truth. The Holy Eucharist is the very source and summit of our lives, and as Catholics, uh, we have to, uh, nourish our faith, strengthen our faith uh, with the Most Holy Eucharist, and because we we absolutely need our Lord in the Holy Eucharist in our in our daily lives, we have to properly prepare ourselves to receive Him uh, and to uh, then uh, live the Christ-like life. Uh, that we have received uh, as we go about our daily lives, whether it's at home, at work, school, wherever we find ourselves. Bishop Kagan, thank you for uh, being with us. And oh, you're very well. Uh, if people want to um, 
get a hold of this pastoral letter or, or read it. Um, we have some here at Corpus Christi. I know we, we, we get some and then they leave and then we request more. Uh, how do people get a, get a hold of this? How do people read your, your sixth pastoral letter entitled, It is the Lord? It's, it's on uh, our diocesan website at, at BismarckDiocese.com. Uh, they can read it. They can actually, if they have a printer, copy it off. If they want, uh, their parishes may have some copies left. If not, uh, we still have some copies here. Uh, there have been a, several requests for more copies, so we printed more. Um, but uh, either way, uh, I, I just encourage people to read that. And uh, as I say, keep it handy. Uh, give Tony a pat for us, your beloved dog, and it's going to be a gorgeous day here in the middle of North Dakota in the 40s. I hope to get Romeo and Titus out for a walk. So give <laughs> give Tony a pat for me, Bishop, and thanks for being on. Thanks for being the lead off on my show today. Thanks, Monsignor. Have a bon- wonderful day. I you too. Thank you, Your yeah. Excellency. I know. Bye bye. Uh, well, uh, that's my boss. We start off the day with uh, the Bishop of Bismarck, and h- if you want to get a hold of this pastoral letter, it is the Lord. It is on the Diocese of Bismarck website. It's a, it's a very short, compact, uh, a good read, and I want to thank him for uh, being on, on my show. And uh, as I said, he'll be here at Corpus on February 27th for an encounter night. I know your parishes are having, according to the USCCB recommendations, encounter nights uh, with teaching weekends uh, all of our scheduling here is 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 on our site and so you can uh, you can look on our site to to see that and february 27th bishop kagan will be here and i also have dr lawrence feingold coming to corpus christi here on tuesday april 9th we're going to take a short break we'll be back in just a moment i have the president of the university of mary monsignor james shea next regarding uh one of the latest books that we're going to talk about and some other things we'll be back in just one moment live engaging and local this is real presence live where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the real presence radio network Hi, this is Dr. Ryan Sappo from Lumen Vision in Fargo. The American Academy of Optometry recommends that all children receive eye exams every two years, beginning at six months old. As one of North Dakota's only fellowship-certified pediatric optometrists, it is my mission to ensure that children are screened for preventable eye conditions like lazy eyes, cataracts, and eye turns. Lumen Vision offers eye exams for children and adults, and you don't need vision insurance to book an appointment. You can schedule your appointment online at www.lumen.vision. Vision. Lumen Vision is a proud sponsor of Real Presence Radio. God's blessings to all of you today as you are listening to Real Presence Radio. This is Father Wilhelm, and I'm a priest of the Diocese of Fargo. What a wonderful gift and a grace that we have in our Holy Church is that we have a Holy Mother, Jesus' Mother, who loves us so very much, and she prays for us. Isn't it wonderful to have a mother on our side, a mother who prays for us, a mother who loves us as Christ as our brother? Then that means that Mary is truly our mother, our spiritual mother. And so as you pray that beautiful gift of the Hail Mary, let each of these prayers be as roses that is presented before her holy feet, and she brings our prayers and lays them before her son, Jesus 
And all of us always listen to our mother. Listen to what our mother is asking you. Come to the Savior. Come to my son. Come to Jesus Christ. Your future, the future of your family, and the causes important to you are too precious to be left to chance. While no one can control the future completely, a little bit of certainty and predictability is good and healthy. Fortunately, Real Presence Radio has some practical methods to share with you to assist in establishing your will and estate plan. Please visit our plan-giving website at rprlegacy.org or call me, Mike Kidrowski, at 701-290-4503. It's a matter of just getting started. You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Real Presence Radio. My name is Monsignor Schumacher. I'm coming to you live from my office at Corpus Christi. I am filling in for the ill Father Holkhalter, and I'm here with Carol.